your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 606 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online. Where the game starts. And so the New York Rangers, for the fourth time already in this postseason, we're only in round two, by the way, but for the fourth time in this postseason, the New York Rangers stare elimination in the face, and they live to fight another day with a very strong performance at home against the Carolina Hurricanes in Madison Square Garden. They continue to hold serve as the home team has just done over and over in this series. We're six games into the series, decisive game seven coming on Monday night, but the home team has won all six games. It's kind of just a small part of this overlying trend by the Carolina Hurricanes where all 13 of their playoff games, they have won at home or lost on the road. The, the home team has won all 13 Carolina Hurricanes Stanley Cup playoff games. And by the way, you know, that stat gets a lot of attention, and rightfully so. But it's also worth pointing out that the Rangers, you know, they're also now 13 games into the playoffs, and the home team in their 13 games is 11-2. and two. The Rangers lost at home in Game 1 against the Penguins in triple overtime. They also beat the Penguins in Game 6 on the road. Besides that, the home team has won every single game uh, for the New York Rangers in the playoffs. But I think it's about time for that trend to break. You know, this series against the Canes, it reminds me a little bit of a first-round series that the Rangers had against the Washington Capitals probably about like eight to ten years ago, somewhere in that time frame. But basically, it's Rangers-Capitals in the playoffs because, as we all know, they play each other just about every single season in the playoffs, at least back then. Uh, but there was a situation just like this where the home team won all of the first six games, and the Caps had home ice advantage, so they were going to be at home for Game 7. And I'm watching this whole thing unfold and I'm thinking like, you know, this doesn't happen in hockey. I mean, yeah, it does happen in a literal sense from time to time. There's a Stanley Cup playoff series where the home team wins all seven games. But for the most part, that doesn't really happen. And going into game seven that year, I was like, you know what? This trend, it's time for this trend to snap. And indeed it did. The Rangers won game seven in Washington by a final score of five to nothing. So we'll obviously hope for similar results against the Canes. I got to say, guys, and obviously we're going to get into the uh, highlights and lowlights from this game in just a second. But I feel very, very good heading into game seven uh, against the Carolina. Hurricanes. I realize the Canes are really, really tough at home, but again, I just don't know how long this streak can continue. And the Rangers have Igor Shosturkin. That's another thing. We're going to talk about the big night that he had. Uh, Igor, you know, stopped 37 out of 39 shots in this game. He had a couple of assists. He even took a penalty. So Igor Shosturkin really kind of uh, stuffing the, the stat sheet in this one for sure. But again, you know, I just don't know how long a streak like this can just keep going and going and going. And I realize the Canes have been really tough at home, but the Rangers have Igor Shosturkin. They're coming off of a really strong performance here. And the Rangers are at what I would consider to be max power. And what I mean by that is this team is healthier than it's been, 
I think pretty much all season. I mean, maybe opening night notwithstanding. I'm trying to remember if anybody was out of the lineup on that night, you know, due to an injury. I don't think that there was, at least not anybody significant. Could be wrong. Would have to go back and check to know for sure. But you look at this team now, everybody's back. You know, Tyler Mock got back late in the series against the Penguins. Barclay Goodrow now back in the lineup. Uh, he returns in game six here in Raleigh against the Carolina Hurricanes, and he had a strong night. You know, he was right back out there doing his thing on the penalty kill, uh, anchoring the fourth line a little bit as well. And in fact, if you look at the Rangers' time on the ice, Barclay Goodrow, again, first time playing since game one against the Penguins, but he was back out there, got 13 minutes and 16 seconds of ice time, which isn't necessarily like an overwhelming amount, uh, but he was out there for three minutes and 15 seconds of shorthanded time, which was most of any Ranger forward and third overall on the night. So Barclay Goodrow, uh, sight for sore eyes. Very nice to see him back in the lineup and uh, just making that fourth line probably better than it's been all season. I mean, think about it. One of the Rangers been able to roll out a top line of Barclay Goodrow, Tyler Mott, and Ryan Reeves, a line that good. I don't think they've been able to all season. And so, yeah, Barclay Goodrow back and an important part of this team and an important part in making sure that the Carolina Hurricanes went 0 for 3 on the power play last night while the Rangers went 2 for 5. So the Rangers, uh, look, I don't want to poke the bear or anything here, but the Rangers continue to make this excellent Carolina Hurricanes penalty kill look very, very mediocre. They scored twice on the man advantage, and uh, we're certainly going to talk about all of the uh, the highlights, the goals uh, that the Rangers scored in this game, break down some things that happened on the power play for sure. But the Rangers, look, it was not perfect. They probably gave up too many scoring opportunities. They were outshot 39 to 25 in this game. And early in the game, you know, the first couple of minutes there, little bit of an over-reliance on Igor Shesterkin to really kind of you know, shoulder the load and, and really have their back. But you know what? It's Igor Shesterkin. That's what he does. He's a part of this team too. He's had a tremendous uh, impact on this series. It's crazy to think, again, you know, the Rangers, they were a period and a little bit of change from being eliminated in five games against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And yet here we are talking about them with their backs against the wall, going to 4-0 on the playoffs when they were been facing elimination. And you got a game seven coming up. The Rangers are one win away, and it is not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, so don't get it twisted. But the Rangers are one win away from hosting, hosting the Eastern Conference Final. All of our heads would have exploded if I told you that at the beginning of the season. And I think a lot of us were pretty optimistic coming into the year. But man, what a ride this has been. And I'm still not ready for it to be over. And like I said, I've got a good feeling about Game 7. And we're going to get into... Uh Pretty much everything I just mentioned. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, the forthcoming Game 7. And, of course, some of the highlights from this game. Igor Shesterkin standing on his head. Uh, Philip Hedl with a couple of goals. Mika Zibanejad continuing to uh, get it done. Despite some other Rangers superstars scuffling at least a little bit. And Tyler Mott, my guy, the guy that I said would uh, come through with a big moment in these playoffs, indeed does so. He opens the scoring. And like I said, we're going to talk about all this and a whole lot more in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever 
you get your podcasts. Two other things that I wanted to say about Barclay Goodrow real quick here before we jump into some other stuff, and I meant to talk about it in our intro, but I'll mention it now. Uh, Barclay Goodrow made a really nice play while the Rangers are shorthanded. The pass went back to Brady Shea at the point, and Goodrow just approached him uh, very aggressively and kind of just forced him out of the zone and forced Shea to take the puck over the blue line. He tried to bring it right back in, but it was offside, so just a nice play by Barclay Goodrow there. One of those under-the-radar plays that, you know, again, it's not going to show up on like a top 10 plays of the night kind of thing, but uh, Barclay Goodrow, those are the kind of things that he does, uh, an invaluable member of this Ranger team and certainly of the penalty kill unit. One other thing that I want to mention about him, do not sleep on him having a big moment in Game 7. This guy is absolutely built for playoff hockey. He knows what it takes to win. He's obviously won the last two Stanley Cups as a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And if you want to go back even further than that, uh, there was a play, I believe it was the last season that he played with the San Jose Sharks. It had to be getting fairly late in his tenure as a Shark, but Sharks, Knights, Game 7 overtime, next goal wins it and sends the respective team to round two. And Barclay Goodrow, uh, just a great play going around Marc-Andre Fleury and, uh, you know, just tucking the puck into the net. So uh, Barclay Goodrow, not somebody that I would be shocked to see have a big moment in Game 7. Just somebody who's battle-tested and, again, knows what it takes to win and just built for playoff hockey. You know, maybe you get, like, a dirty goal or something along those lines. But, man, am I happy to see Barclay Goodrow back in this lineup. I will say, I do feel a little bit for Kevin Rooney because he was the odd man out of the lineup in this game. I think he's done everything that you would pretty much expect him to do in the playoffs, but to me, uh, it was the right decision. The three names that were kind of being kicked around, uh, you know, among people that cover this team and fans alike as far as which guy was going to come out of the lineup if and when Barclay Goodrow made his return, the three names that I saw, at least most frequently, were Capo Caco, Ryan Reeves, and Kevin Rooney. And all along, I was hoping and thinking that it probably would be Kevin Rooney Again, Rooney does some good things for the Rangers. He's a good penalty killer. Uh, you know, he can take some face-offs. He's, he's okay on the face-off circle and a good defensive forward overall. But here's the thing. Everything I just said about Kevin Rooney, Barclay Goodrow, it can be used to describe him as well. And Barclay Goodrow does pretty much all those things just a little bit better than Kevin Rooney. So uh, a little bit of redundancy there, Goodrow and Rooney. Uh, whereas if you took somebody like Capo Caco out of the lineup, I just would not be able to get on board with that because uh, he's had a pretty strong playoff so far for the kid line. I, I realize, you know, he's only got the two points, but he's been really strong on the boards. He's done a lot of, uh, you know, good hard work in the offensive zone to keep some possessions alive for the New York Rangers. You'd love to see it translate to some points and some goals for Capo Caco at a certain point here. But overall, I do think he's had a uh, fairly strong playoff. And on top of that, you know, if you're really debating between like Capo Caco and Kevin Rooney coming out of the lineup, I think it's got to be Rooney. I mean, and I realize, you know, you can't make decisions based on what this team is going to look like next year or two years from now or five years from now. But Kevin Rooney is an impending unrestricted free agent. It's possible the Rangers bring him back if, you know, there's a somewhat of a team-friendly deal that Rooney accepts there. But it's also very, very possible that he walks, whereas Capo Caco is somebody that, you know, you're hoping is a pillar of your franchise for many, many years to come here. And on top of that, the Rangers haven't really been scoring goals. I like Capo Caco's chances of scoring goals, uh, being out there with Philip Hedl and Alexi Lafreniere, a lot better than I like Kevin Rooney's chances of scoring goals being out there with Reeves and uh, Barclay Goodrow. And Reeves, you know, as for him, I, I wouldn't have scratched him either because uh, the dude's just uh, a menace out there. You know, the, the hits that he puts on people, the physicality that he plays with, uh, the way that, you know, it felt like he got on the Canes' heads a little bit in Game 4. He stays in the lineup. Uh, also from a leadership perspective, he definitely plays that big brother role uh, for this team. So I think the Rangers made the right move. It's unfortunate for Kevin Rooney, but obviously he had to get Barkley Goodrow back into that lineup and back onto that fourth line. And speaking of the fourth line, this is something else that we got to talk about here. Tyler Mott. 
the guy who I've said, if he's back with the New York Rangers this season, or excuse me, next season, uh, that's my next sweater uh, as, as far as, you know, players on this team because he just works his tail off and he ends up once again opening the scoring here for the Rangers. But this was a wild sequence. I should actually back up just a couple of seconds here before we talk about this goal that Mott scored. Basically, he had Barclay Goodrow going in. Uh, he had a chance from the left circle. Ranta made the save. It goes back the other way. And Sebastian Ajo is actually sprung on a breakaway into the Rangers' zone. Igor stays with him all the way, turns it aside. And then Tara Vinen had a chance right after this. Uh, he had a backhand, and Igor came up big with a save there. And then Tyler Mott picks up the puck at the blue line, the Ranger blue line, that is. It looks like a fairly innocent play. He's just going straight up the center of the ice. You, you figure eventually he's going to meet some resistance, but he never really did. You know, he got it right in the uh, center of the ice on the Ranger blue line, went across the red line, gained the blue line of the Canes, and was going in toward the net and just let it fly. And it got under the left arm of Antti Ranta and went into the net. And just like that, the Rangers up one to nothing. So definitely a bit of a soft goal there. And one that I think Ranta would probably be the first person to tell you that he should have come up with it. But we'll take it. You know, sometimes, and this goes back to what we've been talking about. Game five, the Rangers, how many shots did the Rangers have in game five heading into the third period? I think it was like 10 or 11 shots on goal. And in this game, they stepped it up in that department, not by a crazy degree, but at least there was more of a concerted effort to throw the puck at the net when in doubt. And that's what Tyler Mott did here. He didn't have a pass to make on this on this play. I mean, Barclay Goodrow was there on the left wing, and I suppose Mott could have dished over to him. But why even bother? Because, you know, Mott was in a better position to shoot this puck than Goudreau would have been if he received this pass here. And I think Mott did the absolute right thing, just letting it fly, scores the goal here, gives the Rangers a one to nothing lead. And I didn't notice this when it happened live. It was something that I found out about after the game when, you know, Tyler Mott was giving a post-game interview. But Mott apparently uh, had just attended the uh, funeral of his fiance's grandmother. And so after he scored this goal, he pointed up to the heavens there and uh, talked a little bit about that after the game as well. So just a really cool moment for a really, really great player, a solid addition to this New York Ranger team. I uh, just love having the, this guy as part of the team and uh, giving that fourth line a big time boost and just doing a little bit of everything to help the Rangers win these games uh, so far in the playoffs. And then we have Mika Zibanejad making the score 2 to nothing. not long after this. This was after the Rangers got a power play opportunity. This goal occurred on the man advantage. And what a play by Mika Zibanejad. You know, the Canes got a couple of uh, early clears in this power play. And obviously not the uh, ideal start to the man advantage for the New York Rangers. But Mika Zibanejad made everybody forget all about that pretty quickly here. And actually, Igor Shesterkin gets an assist on this play because he left the puck for Adam Fox. Fox moved it up to Mika Zibanejad. Mika threw the neutral zone and he faked Brady Shea just completely out of his skates on this play. Mika gained the blue line and he was up the right side and made it look like he was going to pass Panarin on the boards and Shea really took the bait. So, you know, Mika goes right around him. The Canes are trying to cut him off. It looked like Mika was going to shoot from the right faceoff circle, which eventually he did, but he actually uh, delayed with the puck a little bit longer than I think most people would have expected him to, and that probably includes Antti Ranta as well. It looked like Mika was getting ready to pull the trigger, but like I said, he delayed for just a second, actually didn't have quite as good of an angle by the time that he shot the puck, but he got around the defenseman and just went five-hole on Antti Ranta, and again, you know, the Rangers catch a little bit of a break in this one, and that Antti Ranta, who's been very, very good in the playoffs, simply did not have his A game in this one. And we talked about how, you know, the Canes, they're so much better at home than on the road in these playoffs. No better example of that than Antti Ranta. His goals against average, I don't have the numbers right in front of me right now, his goals against average at home in the playoffs is under one, and his goals against on the road is somewhere around the 3.50 mark. So that'll give you an idea of how it's gone for Ranta, but 
yeah, I mean, the Rangers peppering him with some shots, testing him here, and uh, it's working. You know, just put the puck at the net, and the Rangers just like that with a 2 to nothing lead. But uh, I already mentioned, you know, Philip Heal had a big night. He had two goals. He ended up being the number one star of this game. We're going to talk a little bit about him, the goals that he scored, and uh, some other, you know, very positive signs from this game for the New York Rangers as we head towards Monday night's Game 7. Going to be absolutely wild. Cannot wait to watch that with you guys. And uh, we will get to all that good stuff in just a second. All right, so Filipino continuing to just come into his own right before our very eyes here. It's crazy to think that he's still just 22. It feels like he's been on the Rangers forever. I mean, this was his fifth season, but uh, that's the way it goes when you debut when you're 18. But uh, what a night he had here. Gives the Rangers a 3-0 lead. There's a play where uh, kind of a follow-the-bouncing puck kind of a play. You know, a couple of... Uh, you know, players on each side had a shot at it, but eventually Adam Fox takes control of it at his own blue line, dishes up the ice to Philip Heedle. Heedle is going in. It's a two-on-one. He's got Capo Caco on his left, but to pass the Caco here would have kind of been forcing it because there was a defenseman that seemed to be in position there and probably would have been able to uh, pick off the pass or at least disrupt it a little bit. So Philip Heedle, once again, it goes back to the thing that we've been talking about. When you get an opportunity, just take it, especially in this game, you know, with Antti Ranta struggling the way that he was, just continue to test him, and that's what Filipino did. He's in the right face-off circle and uh, just picks the top right corner and puts it right by Ranta over his left shoulder, and just like that, the Rangers have a 3 to nothing lead less than four minutes into the second period, and that was it for Antti Ranta. I thought maybe a little bit of a quick hook here by Rod Brindamore. I mean, they took him out, and they went to Peter Kachekov, who has only played in a grand total of six career NHL game, including three in uh, this year's playoffs, and obviously he's just getting going in his career, but the fact that Ronto is out of the game and you're going with somebody who has uh, little to no experience, basically, yeah, I was completely fine with that as a Ranger fan. I just had the feeling that there's no way that this kid was going to come into the game and uh, just completely shut down the Rangers the rest of the way, and of course, the Rangers got him for two more goals, one by Philip Hedl and the last one by Artemi Panarin, and when Hedl scored, you know, the Canes had... I don't want to say, like, seize momentum completely here, but they had just gotten a goal by Brady Shea. It's now 3-1 to Rangers. It's still fairly early in the second period. Obviously, there's a lot of game to go here. And you've got Igor Shesterkin passing to Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere uh, leaves the puck for Philip Hedl, and Hedl, just a great play. He's up the boards on the left side, spins back, you know, to his left, starts to move toward the net, or, or rather toward the uh, left face-off circle. And when he gets there, he just flicks a wrist shot. Uh, into the net and makes the score 4-1 to in favor of the New York Rangers. So Philip Hedl coming of age before our very eyes. You know, we've talked all season about how frustrating it is with Philip Hedl because, you know, he's had all these ups and downs and there's flashes of greatness here and there, but it just never seems to last. You know, he'll have a big game at a certain point. He'll have a multi-point game and then he'll go like eight games without any points and basically being a ghost out there. But Philip Hedl, I would say playing the best uh, hockey of his NHL career. But uh, that's another thing about Hedl. You know, as much as he has kind of been up and down ever since basically making his Ranger debut, he does go through these hot streaks where, you know, he's he's really a force offensively. And it never seems to last for all that long. But we have seen this where he'll score a goal in like five consecutive games. I, I believe he did that either as a rookie or maybe in his second year. Uh, but he does get on these little hot streaks every now and then. And you know, you hope that this is more than just that. I mean, if it is just a hot streak and it's not bound to last, then hey, at least it's happening at the right time. It's happening in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But you hope that, you know, it's more than that. He's really coming of age and really becoming the kind of player the Rangers thought that they were drafting uh, back when they took him in the first round. So just great stuff from Philip Hedl, great stuff by the kid line in general, and Igor Shesterkin on this play, collecting his second assist of the night. 
And speaking of Igor Shesterkin, obviously another tremendous performance by the best goalie in the world. And, you know, I thought he was at his best in the first period, especially early in the first period. And then he also made some saves late in the first. And obviously the game is still very much in doubt at this point. We already talked about the save that he made against Sebastian Ajo when Ajo went in on a breakaway. But then you had a situation where the Canes were on the power play and it's well documented how much they've struggled on the man advantage. They did score against the Rangers in game five. But besides that, the Rangers have basically shut them down this entire playoff series here. But on this play, you've got... Uh, Tara Vinen ripping a shot from in pretty deep. It's deflected wide of the net by Igor Shesterkin. And then later in this power play, you had Igor making another really tough save on Tevu Tara Vinen. There was a wild scramble in front of the net. Uh, he kicked out his left pad to keep the puck from going in. Just a really strong series of stops by Igor Shesterkin here. It's just what you come to expect from this guy. And then we fast forward to the third game. I thought this was uh, one of Igor's best sequences of the night as well. You get the Canes basically just throwing the puck at the net. It is uh, to 5-2 Rangers at this point in the game. But Igor, once again, just a fantastic left pad save. Uh, there's a rebound chance for Trocek, and the puck kind of goes up into the air. It is snagged by Igor Shesterkin. He holds for a stoppage, and then you've got Trocek and Miller you know, shoving each other after the play. Big dust-up between both teams. And uh, Keandre Miller somehow ended up on top of Jesper Foss after this play. And Trotrek and Goudreau both went to the penalty box. So it was 4-4 four four for a little while there. Um, but, you know, this kind of got nasty toward the end of the game. It's, it's funny because you know, the Canes are down by three. And obviously it hasn't gone their way. But I swear the Canes just were more interested in, you know, starting stuff with the Rangers when they were down by three goals with as much as, you know, 10 minutes left, 12 minutes left. I mean, yeah, the odds are against it, but that's more than enough time to score three goals. And I thought the Canes uh, kind of gave up on this game before I even gave up on this game. I mean, obviously, the Rangers are up 5-2, to two, and I'm liking their chances of closing out this win and sending it back uh, to rally for a Game 7. But be that as it may, I, I thought the Canes kind of you know, their, their priorities shifted quite a bit earlier than they should have. And that includes a situation with Tony D'Angelo late in this game as well. I mean, go figure, right? But uh, yeah, D'Angelo, it's four on four. It's the aforementioned four on four situation that we just talked about here. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, the, the Canes are going to get a power play. There's a delayed penalty on the New York Rangers and the play is offside. And D'Angelo, for some reason, just decided to shoot the puck at the net anyway, clearly after the whistle. And this wasn't one of those situations where the whistle blows and the player was already, you know, starting to shoot the puck or he didn't hear the whistle or anything like that. Uh, believe me, Tony D'Angelo knew that the whistle had blown here. And so he gets a penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct. You had Jacob Truba going after him after this play. I mean, players do not tolerate that kind of nonsense, shooting a puck at their goalie after the whistle has clearly sounded. Uh, so D'Angelo... He just kind of confirms everything that we already knew about him, taking that shot after the uh, whistle had blown. And then, you know, not just doing that, but also costing his team a power play opportunity when once again, they were down by three goals and really could have used it. Again, just confirms everything that we all already know about Tony D'Angelo. I don't think there's any real need to elaborate further. But I love the way that this game ended because you're getting down to like a minute or so remaining. The Rangers have a three-goal lead. And for once, we can actually breathe easy at the end of a New York Ranger playoff game. It hasn't happened very often so far uh, during this current run here. But you've got loud chants of let's go Rangers at the very end. You've got very loud Igor chants as well. You know, the fans just kind of running through the gauntlet there. And it's interesting because 
you know, at times during this playoffs, I've mentioned this. I think I'm not the only person uh, that's mentioned this in general. There's other Ranger fans who have talked about this on social media, but there's been times where it feels like Madison Square Garden isn't really as loud as you would expect it to be. And I think the best example of that was probably game seven against Pittsburgh. And my theory was kind of that like, you know, fans are, are so on edge and, and they're so locked in and they're so focused on what's going on. And there's certainly some nerves that people just kind of forget to cheer at certain points. And that still might be true. But I think something that's also true is that for some reason or another, I don't know if it's the way that these games are, are produced, the way that they're set up, where the microphones are, whatever it might be. I'm not an expert on these matters, but I just get the feeling that the sound that's coming through our TVs is not doing justice to how loud it is in Madison Square Garden. Because I've seen, and granted, Ranger fans might say this anyway, but I have seen Ranger fan after Ranger fan after Ranger fan who's in the building at Madison Square Garden that swears that, yeah, it's a lot louder in here than it sounds like it is on TV. And to be fair, there's actually even a little bit of evidence in this because, you know, there's been a couple of videos circulating online, you know, fan-made videos where they're just holding up their phone, and it looks like the place is just absolutely rocking. So it was obviously awesome to see uh, the Rangers get this win here in Madison Square Garden, force it back to Game 7, uh, just kind of feed off of the energy from the hometown fans. And also, this now makes six consecutive home wins for the New York Rangers. So you hear that, and it's kind of unfortunate that Game 7 has to be on the road, but it's also a tremendous opportunity for this New York Ranger team uh, to really show what it's made of and uh, go into Carolina and hopefully get this win here. But something else that happened at the very end of this game, there's 10 seconds left. You've got a face-off in the Rangers zone, so obviously this game's over. Not really a whole lot should be happening here, but of course, you know, the Canes start to stir it up a little bit. There's a big get-together in the corner behind the Ranger net, and Ryan Reeves really wanted a piece of Brennan Smith. I don't know exactly what happened there, but the officials, you know, they knew the game was over. They tried to step between everybody, calm this thing down before it really got out of control, and probably a good thing that they did. Uh, cooler heads prevailed a little bit sooner than what would usually happen here, I think. Eventually, the Canes just kind of uh, you know, they left the ice and there was no further incident. The Rangers did what they do. You know, they they salute the Garden crowd. You get the three stars announcement. And uh, yeah, we're going to game seven. And again, guys, I feel really, really good about this one. I realize it's going to be uh, an exceptionally tall task for the New York Rangers. You know, the Rangers, they're still in a situation where some of their absolute best players and even, you know, that second group of guys, that, that second tier of players that, you know, you count on for big things. There's a decent amount of players in one of those two categories that is not yet playing his best for the New York Rangers. Uh, you could certainly look at Chris Kreider and Frank Vetrano. I'm going to lump the two of them together because they both play with Mika Zibanejad, and Mika's been on fire. This was the fourth consecutive game in which Mika Zibanejad scored a goal. On top of that, you know, he's just all over the ice, just playing some great hockey for the Rangers, and he's doing all of this despite the fact that, you know, I thought in this game, game six, if you took the 12 New York Ranger forwards, which two did I notice the least out of uh, the entire 12 of them? I would probably say Kreider and Vetrano, which sounds kind of crazy, but I thought those are the two that I would go with. And Mika's advantage at continuing to excel despite that, despite the fact that both of his line mates you know, don't really have their A game right now. I think Artemi Panarin, you know, he scored a goal in this game, a uh, really nice snipe on the power play, second power play goal of the game for the New York Rangers. That was during a five on three. That boosted the lead to five to two. You had Strom to Kreider to Panarin, and Panarin scoring from in deep. Um, but again, he's got more to give as well. You know, he's he's had his moments for sure. But Artemi Panarin, 
We're looking for him to be that dominant player. And of course, you got to give some credit to the Canes. They've done a nice job against him. Every time he has the puck, they're just right in his face. Uh, all kinds of pressure, just not a lot of room to maneuver. It kind of feels like maybe that's the game plan that under no circumstances are we going to allow this guy to beat us. Um, but Artemi Panarin, you just hope that uh, the big-time breakout is coming, and you hope that it's coming in Game 7. That is for sure. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. My game plan right now, it's Sunday night as I'm releasing this episode. I'm hoping, no guarantees, but I am hoping to do one more episode of Locked on New York Rangers on Monday before Game 7. And we'll just kind of have some final thoughts, uh, some players to watch, some keys to winning the game. You guys know the drill, the whole nine yards. We're going to break down Game 7 from every possible angle. And then we'll all just keep our fingers crossed that the Rangers can get the job done and uh, go in there and finally beat the Carolina Hurricanes on the road, something which has not been done so far in this postseason. I also want to remind everybody to subscribe to the Locked on New York Rangers YouTube channel. Every episode that is on YouTube will also be on you know any audio platform that you might be listening to this on, but there are some bonuses on YouTube, some additional clips, and on occasion, episodes will premiere on YouTube before they're available on audio platforms. So I definitely recommend, uh, once again, going ahead and subscribing to Lockdown New York Rangers on YouTube. And once again, I'd like to invite everybody to share your stories. I've heard back from a lot of you guys. Some of you have told me some uh, some really uh, touching stories. Some of you told me some really funny stories, but I want to hear your stories. Where were you when Artemi Panarin scored the Game 7 overtime winner against the Pittsburgh Penguins? Who were you watching with? What was your reaction? Or just talk about the series as a whole. When the Rangers were down 3-1 against the Penguins, how were you feeling? Did you think they could get back into it? What did you think was going to happen? Love to hear from you guys. And like I said, we will eventually do an episode uh, where I share all these stories. I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's always just a good time uh, hearing from other Ranger fans and just kind of allowing you guys to share your stories as well, because I know I already shared my stories as far as, uh, you know, what I was doing watching game seven, uh, just a crazy game. And, uh, as a result of that, Rangers still playing hockey. Once again, one win away from the Eastern Conference Final. Just a fantastic time to be a New York Ranger fan. Cannot wait to watch Game 7 on Monday night with you guys. But that will do it for today. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. From first-round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.